It's the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast. And basketball time to kill. Love picks up Curry. Kyrie Irving from downtown. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. It's over. It's over. The 52 is over. The Cavaliers have won the NBA championship. Cleveland, this is for you. Sexton works on Irving. Hey. The shoot around. We are now into summer league play where every team's hopes are at their highest, and late round picks will become superstars in the eyes of their fan base. Summer League is a lot of fun because it really allows unknown players to shine on an NBA stage. There's been a lot of talk of players sitting out for rest, with Adam Silver joking in frustration that the Spurs GM started it. Thoughts? I think that Adam Silver is trying to get ahead of this right now because of the fact that he's bringing this up during the summer meetings. He's trying to get ahead of this during the regular season. Obviously, it's something that... The higher-ups in the NBA, the owners, and Silver himself have been concerned about for the last few years. So he's definitely trying to make a point with trying to crack down on this. You were telling me earlier that Richard Jefferson said something about that. What did he have to say? A week and a half ago or two weeks ago, there were media folks who were saying the season's too long, these guys need a chance to rest or whatever, and Jefferson was just like, you're professional basketball players. This shouldn't be a thing. When he came into the league, he played for Arizona, and he talked about how in Arizona, he was in the national championship game, got drafted not like a month later, and then was playing in summer league, and he was playing every game in the regular season. Do you think that teams should rest their superstars just any given night, or do you think there should be some type of protocol? I've thought about this over the years, ever since it started, probably about 10 years ago or so now, that Popovich would rest his guys on a night that it was supposed to be a big game for the NBA that everybody would be tuning in and watching. From a fan perspective, I get why you want these players to have to go out there no matter what, especially if you're spending money to go to the game. You don't want to get there and find out last minute that the player you came to see, your son, your daughter, whoever you've brought, came to see them, they're not playing tonight. And it's simply because of fatigue. I think that they don't nearly scrimmage as much as they used to. They don't practice as much as they used to. And the detriment of that, plus on top of it, the amount of money they all make now. And there's just a lot of reason why the players of the NBA today don't feel a need to have to be out on the court 82 games out of the year. And I agree with Richard Jefferson. I think that it's going to be easy to have a get off my lawn kind of mentality about this pretty quickly because the younger generation is not going to understand how easy they're getting it. And yet they still say, oh, it's you know it's so hard. We played this tough game. The defense isn't as hard. They're not required to play all 82 games. They take plays off. They take quarters off. They take halves off. I'm in the camp of Jefferson overall. I get that sometimes the NBA has too many back-to-backs for these teams. If it's right for the organization, right for the player to rest them, then that should be done. But I also think that the NBA needs to do a better job of scheduling these games and pacing the, the regular season so that the players don't have to worry about that. And they've long talked about possibly shaving games in order to do so. 
And now that they want to do a tournament in the middle of the season, I think they're going to have to consider that moving forward. As we mentioned, Summer League is in full swing. RJ Nembhard and Ochai Abaji are acting as the primary initiators on offense. How do you think the team is performing? Well, first of all, the team is fun. This Summer League team actually looks like a cohesive team or product versus previous years where the Cavs were kind of trying to put a hodgepodge of players together at the last second. And most of the guys were people that were on summer league teams for other organizations in the last three years. I'm enjoying the summer league because it is a lot more fun. A primary reason for that is Nemhard is just doing his thing out there. I mean, he looks like a professional basketball player playing in the summer league. So he's able to get to his spots. He scores pretty easily and he's able to, to run the offense in a very efficient manner. Abaji is just ready to play basketball. He looks like an NBA player already as a rotation guy. He is the product that we thought he would be. He's coming out of picks really easily. He's making amazing three-point shots where he's drifting to the left or the right just for the challenge of getting the rhythm of shooting. His shot is prettier than I even thought it would be. And his confidence in playing like this already is just astounding. So he looks like a player that is already seasoned on some level. Yes, he's maybe playing a little slow, but I have the confidence that he'll pick that up when preseason and training camp comes along. Abaji will hit a stride that's even better than it is now. For reference, in the game against Charlotte that they most recently played, he put up 24 points and shot 50% from three. That's beyond what I was thinking would happen, even in summer league. But he is showing up, which is awesome. And the other two that are kind of fun to watch, Isaiah Mobley, looks like he maybe is lacking a little bit in his physicality and his fitness, but I think that he's just trying to figure out how to fit in with this squad. And he does need to work on his his range a little bit from three but his passing is impeccable already and then the guy that i think is probably the biggest surprise on the squad is luke travers the dude from australia i mean he's already having some nba Cavs fans on twitter question whether or not we should get rid of jetty and dylan just to have travers come onto the squad which is a bit ridiculous he's further along in his development than we thought what are some of your takeaways from how this summer league is performing? The summer league is often a nice moment to reflect on what happened in the previous season, get excited about what could be possible in the coming season, and a chance to look at these players, obviously, that we just picked up. I've clearly been the most excited to look at their stats. What's been surprising to me is there's a couple of names on the roster that I didn't even hear of them before. And they're playing fairly well for us. For example, Amar Silla, he was averaging 15 points over two games. He has played in the league for one season prior. So he's kind of in a situation like Nemhard a little bit that he's got a little bit of uh, experience under his belt. Cameron Young is a surprise. He's played fairly well, 13 points, shot fairly well. These guys are just kind of a surprise to me in the sense that they're probably not going to make the team. They're not a big aspect of what we're going to do. But look at what we're doing now for the summer league. Look at where we're finally at as an organization. We're just kind of tuning in to look at a couple of pieces. We're almost back to that stage where as an organization, this is icing on the cake. We don't need it for 
rounding out our team necessarily. We know how excited we are about Ochai Abaji, what we were hoping for with Isaiah Mobley. I think both players have come in and been as advertised. Maybe Abaji, especially with this third game, turning a few heads more than they expected, but I think you and I expect him to turn heads all season. I'm now reading articles where the first thing people talk about is maybe this guy should have been picked sooner, and that was the first thing we said. So our expectations of Ochai are large. Isaiah, I think what I've seen of him so far, he's just kind of proving that it's good he's on a two-way contract, and he's going to need some time to figure it out. Having the last name Mobley, it probably means he'll get some time to do so, at least on this team. Luke Travers, I read an article where they were saying that maybe Stevens or Osman would now be expendable due to Travers. I don't know if this team is lacking defense to a degree that they would be willing to kill their offensive production by having a guy like him out on the court. Luke has to learn how to shoot, and then he can come be a part of this team. So I don't see him supplanting anybody this year. I see him playing overseas as he has been. But I love the stats that he's putting up defensively. He's a hustler. There's a reason why he has that mullet, right? He takes the game seriously. He takes life seriously. But no, he's an amazing blocker. He's leading the team in blocks and steals. And that's with very few minutes compared to some of these other guys. So he's putting in the hustle. He's trying to get that Della Vadova award. Yeah, I was going to say, he's he's just kind of sneaky. Del Vadova never looked fast, ever. And this is coming from a dude who would be the same on an NBA court. But Travers is just kind of sneaky in his positioning, and he's a lot more technically sound on defense than I think people think, and he's taking advantage of that. It's a great little summer league story. I agree, and I think that's the best part of what the Summer League can be. We're really in a great, fortunate position where all of these players are just kind of fun to watch. It's a nice reminder of what's coming. Overall, the player that I think we're all salivating and can't wait to see in a Cavs jersey on on our court is Ochai. And the Summer Leagues are only showing that the kid is a consummate professional in the way that he just works and works and works and works to improve and impress, show his coaches and everyone around him that his ceiling is always higher than you think it is. We'll see what happens with the regular season, but as always, the Summer League is a fun experiment. Probably allows for a little too much optimism at times. But look at what we saw from Evan Mobley last year, and look at what we got in the regular season. So my hope is that we're going to get a similar thing with Ochai. I'll add one little button. I know I was listening to the folks on the chase down and Justin Rowan had brought up Ochai's size. And that's the other thing that's an advantage to the summer league is you get to see guys from Europe, from college actually play against other NBA players. And Ochai looks much more like a shooting guard small forward than I thought he would. I thought he was just a straight up shooting guard type of profile and he looks like he can play the three in spots because he's a bigger dude than I realized. Their measurables are all from college most of the time. I don't think he went through all of them for the combine so it was just kind of cool to see that as well that like oh not only is he doing everything that you were talking about but oh he's also a a physical presence. He's more of a presence than I thought he would be. 
his catch and shoot ability off of screens and in transition is awesome. With our main guys feeding him the ball night in and night out, he could easily score 20 plus points just from leftovers. This is the best place to pass. Oh, it turns out he's one of the best shooters on the team. With Obagi's play in the summer league, is Isaac Okoro on the hot seat? Or could other players at shooting guard also be impacted? I truly think that Isaac Okoro is fine for this season, unless there is some sweet deal in a trade that the Cavs feel they can pull off. I just don't see him being moved. I think they know for a fact, because they played him there for an entire season, his rookie year, that he's a fine choice at small forward. And there was a lot of rumor coming into the season last year that he had taken a big leap and that they were excited to use him more on the offense and that there would be maybe 20 games that season that they would feature him more as one of the main guys. A lot of that never came to pass. He had maybe three games, four games, where he had 20-plus points without going and looking at the stats. I would say it was an underwhelming sophomore season for Okoro. I think it was a little bit of a sophomore slump. But going back to our first season of the podcast, I think we talked about one of the biggest flaws of Akuro's personality is that he defers too much. He wants to win. He's so hungry. He's a great competitor, but he is more than willing to pass the ball to the next guy and make that extra play. You want that for sure. But when it comes to a guy with his skill sets and what he could possibly become, he has to push himself a little more and at times say, no, it's my ball. This is my shot. We're going to take the lead because of my leadership. I don't see that tenacity yet in his game because he just is too nice and defers too much. That is what gets him in trouble because the Cavaliers, to me, see the potential in this kid. And they know he's still young. He's still raw. What can they get now in his junior year? What can they pull out of him in year three? And he came in young, so young. This isn't like Ochai, where four years under his belt in college and and the the chance to grow year after year after year, his maturation is coming with a Cavs jersey on. It's extremely important for us to kind of put all that into context when considering who would be on the hot seat and if he would even or should be considered at this stage. I would move Laurie Markkinen before I'd move Okoro. I would definitely move Levert. So those are two players that currently for the Cavaliers play shooting guard or small forward. Again, a lot of what we've seen from the reports of what the Cavs are floating, and it could be just to you know maintain his value as a trade piece. They've basically floated that they have plans for Okoro moving forward. They have no interest in moving him. And he's not one of the ones to look at. So I think that this question for me is answered. Isaac Okoro is not on the hot seat, but depending on how this season plays out for him, he could be on the hot seat by trade deadline, or he could be on the hot seat starting next season or during the offseason this time. Basically, it all depends on how he takes that next step. And it's going to be hard because the Cavs continue to add talent. You know, there's only so much basketball to go around. He's got to say this season, it's my team too, and I've got to be more of a contributor when it counts, when they need me to. I think that he's not immediately on the hot seat because of the fact that he played a whole season at small forward. So I don't know if his minutes are actually going to diminish at all because we've seen what he can do at the small forward position. We know that he can contribute defensively there, but you're also right on track with the fact that he needs to improve. And so where I kind of disagree is if he doesn't improve offensively at all, it could be going into training 
Bandcamp that his role is adjusted even more. And the onus on him offensively is, yes, he needs to be more selfish, but I think it needs to be in a way that actually adds a benefit to the team. And for me, the biggest benefit that Isaac could have overall dimension to his play and the Cavs play is if he can improve his handle. At the end of the season last year, when they played Atlanta in the play-in tournament, there were a few moments where he couldn't get around Trey Young with dribbling. That cannot ever happen again. Trey Young weighs less than, I think, Isaac's foot. So he should be able to use his strength and his handle to get around players like that. And that needs to happen more often. That's where what you're bringing up of being more selfish of saying, I know that I can rely on this XYZ skill set to get a bucket right now. We know that he improved his shot a little bit, but if he can improve his handle, I think that he'll have more of a potential to actually infuse himself more into the offense as opposed to just staying out on the three-point arc. So that's the challenge I would kind of give him. I don't think that he'll lose any minutes again i agree with that the way that i'm disagreeing a little bit is more of i think that with abaji's shooting there's an asset there that isaac doesn't bring as much right now so that the hot seat is more of he might not play shooting guard as much that definitely might change going into this season but i don't think that he'll move him so it's it's a i'm being wishy-washy sorry (laughs) the I believe that Isaac is not on the hot seat as far as being moved or shipped from the team. I do think that his role might diminish a little bit if he does not improve his skill set on the offensive side of the ball that's marketable. It has to be a big improvement. And I think the best place to do that is with his handle because it'll boost up the floor of the rest of the team offensively. I understand what you're saying about a diminished role. I think that's different to me. A hot seat is more that you're going to lose a place on the team. Whereas diminished role, I think he had a diminished role last season because he was a starting small forward his rookie year and he didn't get to do that his second season. And I think that moving forward, if he doesn't learn to be more offensively productive, then he's a bench player for the foreseeable future, especially as a Cavs player. Where I think Isaac has solidified his role on this team is his defense and it's another reason why i think luke travers does not have a role on this team because okuro's offense is better than luke's and so i think it just kind of depends there's still some things that need to be ironed out is sexton gonna stay because that is such an important piece as whether as to whether or not they're who's going to be a shooting guard who's even playing the position until that is answered i mean you just really who knows I do think, going back to the question, no, Isaac Okoro is not on the hot seat until we learn more and until we get closer to the trade deadline or into next year. As far as who else might be impacted, what do you think? I mentioned Laurie Markkinen and Levert. I've mentioned them in other podcasts. Who else do you think might be impacted? Well, I don't think that Laurie or Levert would be moved dependent on how Abaji plays, I think if Levert is moved or if they're looking to move him, it's because he only has one year left on his contract. And you brought up the man of the hour. We just did an episode on him and Cavs Twitter is talking about Colin Sexton 
often because he is a huge question mark. I think he's the biggest question mark going into training camp, not Abaji in the sense of how Abaji impacts stuff. But if whatever they do with either Sexton's contract or him coming back or not coming back impacts the rest of the rotation more than anything else, I feel. Even with the free agents that they brought in and Neto, uh, Rubio, and obviously Robin Lopez is not going to play in the backcourt. Things are going really poorly if that's happening to hedge i would say that abaji's play could really impact as i've mentioned before dylan windler and jetty osmond's minutes the most and but they weren't ever on like they were always on really just the bench seat there's no hot seat per se their rotation minutes just might shift around or change or they might get moved so that's how i would interpret that The final seconds. Should we trade for Utah Jazz shooting guard Donovan Mitchell? Uh, The answer is no. Donovan Mitchell is a talented player. He's a very good shooting guard from the Jazz. But the reason why I would say no to trading for him is that he's 25 has a little bit of an injury history. He's a three-time All-Star. So why is Danny Ainge getting rid of him? He's only 25 years old. They just got a bunch of picks and players from the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves when they traded Gobert. I wouldn't trust Danny Ainge in a trade like this because as a fan, my biggest question would be, why would you get rid of a young 25-year-old three-time All-Star that you could build around with all the assets that you just acquired? Why would you get rid of them? Something's up there. Clearly, he doesn't want to play for the Jazz anymore. I'm really tired of NBA players who are just tired of playing for their teams. So I wouldn't want him on Cleveland, mainly because I would feel that he wouldn't fit in personality-wise. He wouldn't fit in with the newly signed Darius Garland, who has made a commitment to Cleveland for the next five years. And I would be afraid that Mitchell would do something similar to what is happening in Brooklyn right now with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Just walk out the door in a couple of years and everything will get blown up. So even though he's talented, I don't really want to deal with a guy who's not really keen on playing for a team. The luxury of being where we're at as an organization is that I don't really have to covet other players. And there are very few players in the NBA that I wish we had. Donovan Mitchell is not one of them. He's a 6'1 shooting guard that weighs 215 pounds. That's just not what I'm looking for in that position or that type of player. Looking at his stats, they're very similar to Colin Sexton's stats as far as points and assists. We have that player. He's on our team. If you want him, sign him. Do we like the Cavs summer league uniforms? Well, for me personally, I like them. I think they're clean. They have a nice, sharp presentation. There's not a lot of thrills to them. It hints a little bit of the direction that we know they're headed, with the wine being the dominant red again, some of the more old-school touches coming back. So, yeah, I like it just fine. How about you? Yeah, I agree with all of that. It's a very simple and clean design. Most of these summer league unis are, but 
most of all, I liked the fact that it's hinting at how they'll tackle the actual regular season uniforms using the V with the hoop design and the fact that the way they're using the block lettering is really cool to see. And the biggest thing that I like is the wine and the gold together. So that's really cool looking. Who will get more minutes in the regular season, Neto or Nempart? I think Nemhard has shown a lot in the summer league already. He's shown that he can run the offense and that he's becoming more NBA ready. But I think that Neto overall will get more minutes, mainly because Neto will be the primary backup point guard at the beginning of the season because Ricky Rubio is still recovering from ACL surgery. Yeah, I couldn't say it any better. I think that it's about need and we need Neto more. We'll find out what happens with Colin Sexton, as we keep saying, because if we do sign him, maybe we move him to the bench, use him as a point guard more often, and then Neto wouldn't see as many minutes. Everything is really up in the air, just trying to round out the roster to start the year. Richard Jefferson, referee to half of a summer league game. Good or bad move? I don't really see it as a good or bad move either way. I think it's interesting that the NBA approached him and wanted him to do it. There's a quote that I have up here. It says, uh, I didn't want to do this, Jefferson said. The NBA asked, would I be interested? I have such a tremendous amount of respect for the referees, how important they are to the game, and I've always treated every single one of them as such. I just respect them because I know their importance to our game and to the integrity of our game. And ESPN even had him tweet out that this is fun. I can see why this is addicting. Yeah, and part of the article that I'm reading here says that while Jefferson appeared to enjoy the highs of holding the power of a referee, he also quickly felt the lows of fan scrutiny that come with wearing that responsibility. Early in his debut, Knicks fans heckled Jefferson during an out-of-bounds call he eventually reversed. I would say it's an interesting little gimmick for the NBA to bring a former player in to have that player experience what it's like to be a ref and then be able to go on to the shows on ESPN and talk about it. They're going to get a lot of press out of that, and it's an interesting concept, interesting idea, but truly just a gimmick. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a fun gimmick to kind of spice up Summer League. I know that from everything that I've heard, if I had the chance to go to Summer League, I think that I would. It sounds like a really great fan experience because you can see a lot of players obviously close up and obviously the stars aren't playing, but a lot of them are sitting in the front row eating food out of Ziploc bags. It's a fun little gimmick. I'm happy that Jefferson was willing to do this just because he was one of my favorite Cavs during that second stint with the LeBron era. He's always been a favorite player of mine and I've always respected his game a lot. So it was kind of cool to see that he rolled with this and kind of allowed it to be a little bit of a gimmick, but still approached it with some respect and a humble nature. Thank you for listening to the Cavaliers Basketball Club podcast. Let's go Cavs. Cavs.